Welcome into the Sunday Nighter on the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 a.m. to noon. The Talking Tide podcast available first at Podbean.com, which is our web host. It's also available at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Although it's on Web Bean, excuse me, it's on Podbean before it's anywhere else. It drags a little bit to get into those apps. And so if you want to catch Talking Tide as soon as it drops, Podbean.com is the place to go. And you can know when it drops if you follow the Twitter feed, which is Talking at, uh, at Talking underscore Tide. I'm tripping on my tongue today, Travis. Uh, and uh, you're to a Tide. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but talking tide, uh, recapping Alabama's thirty-eight to seven victory over Mississippi State, and Travis obviously Tua Tungavaloa's injury is by far uh, the newsmaker to come out of this one. Uh, I'm not sure I can remember more of a kind of a Paul being cast over a football game, especially one that was a resounding victory uh, for for the road team. Uh, and let's, you know, Tua Tungvaloa has played his last down of football for Alabama. I, I think that's the fair assumption right now. And it ends in a in a, just a heartbreaking way, a pretty serious injury, the extent of which still remains somewhat unknown. Uh, just to recap the, the news, University of Alabama has uh, come out and said a, a full recovery will be made. He'll be flying to... Houston Sunday night. As a matter of fact, he's he could be in the air as we pod, and he's scheduled to have uh, some surgery on that hip injury in Houston on Monday. And of course, the the recovery time is is really what's on on the minds of of Alabama fans everywhere. Yeah, it's one of those rare sports stories that sort of transcends to a news story as it unfolds. That's the sense you got on Saturday afternoon in the early afternoon or right around early afternoon time on Saturday from Davis Wade stadium with three Oh one left in the second quarter time stopped in college football, not just Alabama football, but college football in general. You know, we made comparisons. We talked about last week, the last time Alabama went to Mississippi state following a loss to LSU and found itself in that 11 a.m. window for a kickoff. That was back in 2007. We talked about the catastrophic end of that first half, the 100-yard interception return by Mississippi State for a touchdown 12 years ago. Well, we thought that was catastrophic at the time. It came nowhere close to sort of changing the landscape of college football as much as what uh, the injury to Tua Tiger Bailoa there late in the second quarter did on Saturday. So as much as anything, you hate it for Tua Tiger Bailoa for a guy who has done as much uh, in, in not quite three seasons of play. Uh, the legacy that he'll leave if, it, in fact, that was his final appearance at the University of Alabama, you would have loved for him just one week later, right? I mean, this Saturday likely would have been Tua's swan song performance at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and he deserved that opportunity. And unfortunately, uh, he won't be able to sort of put a bow on things on his own terms against Western Carolina at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 
tried a, a dislocated hip, was apparently uh, put back into place at the stadium, but obviously there are some uh, extenuating circumstances that are requiring surgery. ESPN uh, reported that there is a, a fracture on the posterior wall, uh, the school neither confirming nor denying that, and a couple of releases since the injury. Uh, and, and hips are tricky. They are um, – more fickle and and more threatening, frankly, than knees and ankles and just about anything else. I think you can put hips in the category with backs and necks almost, Travis, in terms of things that, that create a lot of long-term concern. And you probably would still have concussion and, and head injuries at the top of that list uh, ahead of those. But, yeah, as far as bone and joint type situations – uh, it's because they're so rare, Chase. I mean, they, you know, the knees and the ankles and, and things like that, uh, they happen with such frequency. Uh, you know, orthopods, orthopedics, they've gotten those down to a science now. You know, they know exactly what they're dealing with. Just look at Tua's ankles the last couple of years and how that technology has come along with the tightrope procedure. So that's why Monday, uh, as he's scheduled for that surgery, in Houston uh, will have the attention of not only Alabama fans, but certainly next level uh, evaluators, uh, personnel evaluators, front office types, because I don't know if anyone knows for sure what it's going to look like once they go in there on Monday. And obviously the hope is that, you know, the situation as it's been compared to Bo Jackson many years ago and things like that, uh, Tua isn't in that sort of situation, hopefully. Um, but but there's no doubt, yeah, it's an absolute big question mark uh, for Tua Tonga-Vailoa's future moving forward. Mac Jones takes over the rest of the game, and, and I don't remember the game. And we'll go ahead and, and, and touch on the game itself for a few, mo- few minutes here. I don't remember a game ever becoming an instant afterthought after an injury mm-hmm. quite like this one. I mean, it was almost as though – they didn't even play the last two and a half, three quarters, you know, whatever it was. It was all, I mean, the second half all, all, might as well didn't even need to happen. Alabama uh, kicks a field goal in the second half. I think that was the only scoring. And it was almost like, uh, at least on the Alabama side, everybody just wanted to get off the field. And he wasn't the only injury for Alabama. A couple other – it was a physical game. A lot of guys got hurt. Raquan Davis, probably uh, the next most serious injury. He sprained an ankle. He was in a boot on the sideline after the game. Remains to be seen how serious that one was. Henry Ruggs with bruised ribs. Uh, DJ Dale got dinged up in the game as well. It was a rough one. It was. Um, You lose both your starting defensive linemen or your two primary starting defensive linemen because they've been playing more with Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis on the field together, uh, even in some early down situations. Uh, so you lose both those guys. Dale goes out really early with a tweaked knee. Um, and Henry Ruggs III goes out in the third quarter with some bruised ribs. So you're right. It, it wasn't uh, as simple, and there's nothing simple about losing to a Tonga Vailoa, but the injury report wasn't limited to, uh, obviously, the news of the day. Uh, which was Tua Tonga-Vailoa's hip injury. So, your Alabama, the good news in all of this, I guess, Chase, and I know we're going to recap this game some more and maybe look ahead as we get further into the pod, is that 
you do have Western Carolina this week. Uh, you don't have Auburn on Saturday. Uh, so if this stuff was going to happen, uh, especially at quarterback, you know, going into Monday, if Alabama, in fact, practices on Monday, sometimes going into that FCS opponent, uh, uh, the uh, penultimate week of the regular season, Nick gives the guys the Monday off uh, of that week. Whenever Alabama practices again, though, you know who's getting the reps behind center, right? Yeah, Mac Jones has got an opportunity with Tua Tungvaloa going out. He'll um, and he's gotten a, a he's had a start already this season. He's gotten a fair bit of experience. Even last year, uh, he saw a lot of second half action. But starting an Iron Bowl for Mac Jones, it's a big opportunity for him to kind of begin his stretch as as the full time guy, uh, presuming he he wins the job in twenty twenty. Yeah, and you know. He's probably gotten a lot of the reps even in practice the last couple of weeks, even LSU week uh, because of the uncertainty with Tua and the ankle. Uh, certainly going into Mississippi State week because, as we know, Tua wasn't able to do even as much early in the week leading up to Mississippi State as he was uh, even the LSU game. So Mac Jones has gotten a fair share of reps. We've talked about this before because Tua has been out. Uh, he too came in in that same 2017 recruiting class. So the dynamic, the bond between himself and a lot of guys on that offense, when you look at the different positions on that side of the ball for Alabama wide receiver, you got three juniors, uh, that came in with Mac Jones in that same class. Najee Harris came in in that same class. Same for Brian Robinson, your two offensive tackles, Jedrick Wills, uh, and Alex Leatherwood. So there's a familiarity uh, in terms of the people around him, uh, what you can't simulate is, uh, you know, again, what he's going to encounter at Jordan Hare Stadium in a couple of Saturdays. But reps of any kind uh, here over the next two weeks should be beneficial. Lost in all this with what happened with the quarterback situation, a huge game again for Najee Harris. You mentioned him, Travis. Uh, he ends up with four touchdowns, three rushing, one receiving. 88 yards on the ground, another 51 uh, receiving. He seems to be really coming into his own uh, this season as a whole, but especially lately, uh, he, he's been playing in a comfort zone. Yeah, 20 touches on Saturday for 139 scrimmage yards. Scrimmage yards, um, four more touchdowns, as you outlined. That gives Najee Harris 12 total touchdowns in the last seven games. He's been, uh, he's been a, a constant uh, presence there in the paint here over the last month and a half or so. Uh, you get 56 rushing yards from Brian Robinson on eight carries in the game Saturday. So it, another game in which Alabama doesn't rush for 200 or, or 200 yards or more. That's the ninth game this year in which they've they've come up short of 200 rushing yards. But when you talk about effectiveness and contribution, both as receivers and runners, and that starts with Najee Harris. Uh, the play has been exemplary. Defensively, Alabama definitely a bounce-back performance, albeit a, a pedestrian offense, but only 82 passing yards on the day for Mississippi State. Uh, and uh, they ran the ball a little bit better. Tommy Stevens uh, was pretty much the offense for the Bulldogs. Nearly got 100 yards uh, on the ground. Uh, ran for more yards than he threw for, as a matter of fact. But a strong effort by the Alabama defense. Ten tackles. 
uh, and an interception for Shane Lee, the linebacker. So a big game there for the freshman Travis and uh, an improved performance for sure coming off that awful LSU game. And sometimes it's different. You know, you could call it a bounce back. And, of course, you try to factor in the difference in competition from one week to the next as well. So sometimes it can be difficult to tell if it really is a bounce back or if it's just a function of who you're playing. I think a little bit of both on Saturday. I mean, obviously, Osiris Mitchell, uh, Stephen Guidry, uh, Isaiah Zuber, the wide receivers for Mississippi State aren't going to be confused for the trio that LSU runs out there. Uh, But Kylan Hill still a guy that you're going to see on Sundays in the National Football League at the running back position. Alabama holds him to 35 rushing yards on 16 attempts. You're right about the quarterback runs. I'm at the point where I don't really know what to say about that because Tommy Stevens uh, isn't Johnny Manziel. And still, before the one sack Alabama had of Stevens, on Saturday was factored in the mix. He too went over 100 rushing yards from the quarterback position. And it seems like it's the same thing every week. Teams go with an empty look in the backfield or motion to empty. Alabama vacates the middle of the field from the linebacker perspective. Defensive linemen struggle to to get off blocks. Uh, And there you see Xavier McKinney or one of the safeties come flying up trying to make a tackle. Uh, 10 yards downfield or even longer. I mean, Tommy Stevens uh, had four explosive runs on Saturday. And, um, you know, so you like what you did with Kylan Hill, uh, but even with Bo Nix and some of the reluctance that we've seen from Auburn to run him a whole lot on designed runs, here's one play I know Gus will will dial up a week from Saturday in in two Saturdays. Bo's going to dial up the quarterback draw from an empty formation. I can promise you that. That, well, there's two he'll dial up. He'll dial up something quick to the flat to start the game. He does that every game. And then not that long after, you will see Bo Nix on a quarterback-designed run between the tackles. I feel comfortable in that sort of a prediction this far out, Chase. Defense is kind of parted like the Red Sea on those quarterback runs up the middle. Happened with Joe Burrow, too, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if you're the defensive staff, I know it may not fit what you want to play, but you, you may have to look at a different approach to make sure you keep someone in the middle of the field. You know, at the back, if you got to go zone more or whatever with the backs, you, you obviously have to keep somebody in the middle of the field because your four that you're leaving there aren't getting off the five and making a play on the quarterback. It's, it's not happening. So somewhere there's a, there's a breakdown. And I'm sure the execution in some form or fashion isn't what the coaching staff wants. Um, but when it happens repetitively, uh, it, 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 it may be time to consider a, a different approach to, to that look. Nick Saban drawing uh, a little bit of criticism from some Alabama fans, Travis, for Tua Tungvaloa being in the game. I don't fall into that camp. I, I think it's 2020 hindsight to say he should have been pulled yeah. sooner. Uh, so so I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I, I, I didn't buy it with Tyrone Prothrow. And I don't buy it with Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, should he have played the game at all? I guess that's a little bit of a different argument. But I still think that that if he's healthy enough to play four quarters against LSU and he's he's dealing with nothing more than soreness in the interim, I, I don't see why you don't start him either. So I I, I, I don't hang anything on Nick Saban like uh, – like, 
like one uh, avid Alabama fan I know did. <laughs> <laughs> one 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 redheaded Alabama fan <laughs> I know. The mayor. Yeah, the mayor. Um, here's my thing. If you were adamant about Tua not playing at all in the game, then yeah, you know, I'll I'll give you some credit for that. Um, but if you weren't adamant about that before the game, only in hindsight to lose your mind about Tua getting hurt there at the end of the second quarter, well, I'm probably not going to listen to you all that much. So, you know, here's the thing too: Alabama was coming off a loss. Okay, you're coming off a loss. And you're going on the road in the division. So it's not like you just beat LSU 56 to 10 and, you know, we can, we can maybe head to Mississippi state feeling like, well, we don't, we, we can, we can maybe take a chance with Mac Jones. You know, there, there were, there, there were things in play, uh, that, that I agree with you that, that make it, you know, sort of ridiculous in some ways that there's this sort of outcry, I, you know, look, 2004 Brody Croyle got hurt on the first series, I believe, of the Western Carolina game. Speaking of Western Carolina, huh? the irony coming up here this week with the Catamounts in town. You remember this, 2004, Brody Croyle, I believe it was first series, second half. Alabama's up big at the half. But, you know, I mean, coaches, offensive coaches, Nick Saban among them, like to get that starter that first series of the third quarter. Well, Brody, in a non-contact situation, tears his ACL. Um, you know, and sometimes it comes down, Chase, to the cachet that a coach, imagine if it were Mike Shula Saturday and Tua Tagovailoa got injured like that instead of Nick Saban with Nick Saban's background in right. championships, right? right? My, Mike Shula got killed by a lot of people for Brody Croyle, you know, and Nick's getting it from some people, but I don't even think they outcry is as bad as it would be for a lot of other coaches. And and to be sure, you know, I'm the I'm on the side of if a guy They would have brought the play, rail in coming after Mike play. Shula like Homer Stokes and O Brother. They would have yeah. brought that rail right yeah. in the auditorium the and uh, gotten yeah. Mike right out of there. <laughs> yeah. Is you is or is you ain't my constituents. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, there's no doubt. Look, the way I the way I look at at, at that whole argument, Travis, is this. If it's the right move to take a guy out at a certain point of the game, well, then that's something that you ought to be able to argue for whether the player gets hurt or not. Okay. Well, and, and of course, if if Tua Tungvaloa would have played the whole first half and not gotten hurt, and then skipped the second half, what would people have said? They would have said Saban was brilliant for getting him out of there at halftime. Sure. So it's only the it's only the injury itself that well, and he, here's generates the, thing. the argument. He didn't he didn't re-injure what was injured. Right. It wasn't his ankle. Right. right? That's another. It was fact. a whole other injury altogether. Yep. It was his hip. You know, and and sometimes things just happen that way. And and, and while we're on it on the topic, you know, he's moving to his left again. Go back and look at. Not to bang on the guy because he, he's doing what we all admire in a quarterback in these situations. It's third down. He's extending plays. He's got that warrior mindset. He's not going to give up on a play or a possession. But think about the times that he has moved left since the end of the 2017 season and the results that that brought about. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this isn't as much a criticism as you know, it, 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 there's a track record there. 
You know, when he moved left against Georgia in the national championship game, interception. When he moved left uh, just this year, look at what happened on plays where he moved to his left. And I'm not saying he didn't need to, but he also uh, hangs in there on plays, sometimes to his own detriment. We laud him for that. We talk about his courage, and all those things are absolutely true, but they can work to your detriment. Went to it. You know, worked to his left against Tennessee, interception, right, at the goal line early in the game. Worked to his left in the second quarter of that game. What happened? Ankle, right? And And what was he doing? What was he doing Saturday? Working to his left, trying to extend a play, and and something bad happened. It's football. You know, unfortunately, in in, in some instances, it happens. Yeah, And that's arm side for him. That's not the cross side for him. No, no, that's his... That's his natural. That's his natural move. Yep. Um, but where his feet are always, are always have been, and probably always will be best. Chase is when he's able to navigate the pocket up into the pocket and then get himself in position to make a throw. He's never been a great outside the pocket. Now on some design stuff, he's done some good stuff. But I'm talking about on improv and scramble plays. That's never been a strength of his game. Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Closing that topic out, we definitely want to wish nothing but the best for his health and his future sure. in the sport, uh, for sure. He's He's been a, a not only a fantastic player and a phenomenal talent, he's the most he's the most purely talented quarterback at Alabama that I've ever seen. That's my opinion. And he's represented the school extremely well on top of that. So certainly wish Tua Tungvaloa the best uh, in his future, wherever that takes him, hopefully the NFL and soon uh, for sure. Uh, Talking Tide, available at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors now quickly that that keep us around, uh, starting with Session Cocktail and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar at 2221 University Boulevard. Uh, you got to get over there and check it out. Now, they got a, an outstanding selection of signature cocktails over there at Session. Also got a great happy hour menu, a good selection of wine, Uh, domestic beers, craft beers. But I'll tell you, if you're a whiskey fan, there's not a better place in town to go. They've got a big selection of American whiskeys. They've got a Canadian whiskey, Irish whiskeys, Scotch whiskeys, even a Japanese whiskey. So if you're into whiskey, uh, Session Cocktail and Spirits is the place to go. Hunter Wiggins and his staff are the most talented bartenders you'll find. And if you find your favorite drink over there, it's going to taste the same day-to-day and bartender-to-bartender because they make them consistently over there. It's not going to taste one way with one bartender and taste like something else with another. They all make them right, and they all make them the same consistent way over and over again at Session Cocktails and Spirits. Again, that's 2221 University Boulevard. Also want to thank North River Dental Associates, our charter sponsor, and Dr. Jack Smalley for all of your dental needs. Go to North River Dental, the web address, northriverdentist.com. The phone number is 752-3506. It's located off of McFarland Boulevard at 1100 Fairfax Park. Easy to find. They're going to get you in and out of there in under an hour on routine cleanings. Uh, And if you need any more advanced dental treatments, whether it's endodontics, porcelain veneers, 
laser dentistry. They do it all over there. Short weights, professional staff. They're great working with the insurance people as well. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to be at North River Dental this week. I've got a cleaning coming up. And uh, the wife was there late last week. It's that time for us and look forward to it as always, with Dr. Jack and his incredible staff there at North River Dental. Going to tell you about a couple of other great spots here in the city of Tuscaloosa. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, right there at Government Plaza. All those great, great specialty pies. All those traditional pies you can get as well. They're waiting for you right now at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Each and every night during the week, there is a special. There's a pizza special. It may be cheese and pepperoni for just six bucks on Monday nights. You also have the half-off bottles of wine on Monday nights. Pretty good way to get your week started, right? Tuesdays, you're looking at those Thai chicken pizzas for seven bucks on Tuesday nights, and it just continues right on through the week. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, full bar. Great full menu. The pizzas are the star of the show, no doubt about it. But for salads, for appetizers, they can cover you entirely there at Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Also want to tell you about Brick and Spoon. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Whether it's breakfast, whether it's lunch, whether it's something in between. Maybe it's brunch hours. From 7 a.m. until 2 in the afternoon, uh, Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa is the place to be. I love those shrimp and grits. I've told you about those many, many times before. But great sandwiches as well, great burgers, uh, a full breakfast menu. The French toast, by the way, uh, maybe as good of an item as you're going to find there uh, at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Talking Tide podcast, podbean.com, the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Uh, we're going to take a quick look around the Southeastern Conference before we close this one out, Travis. Uh, every game in the league this week goes according to chalk. Uh, Alabama, big win over Mississippi State. Florida, big over Missouri. Uh, Kentucky, big over Vanderbilt. Not a big surprise there. Uh, LSU, three-touchdown winner over Ole Miss. Texas A&M drubs a South Carolina team that, that's really reeling here down the stretch. And uh, finally, uh, last but definitely not least, Georgia takes care of Auburn 21-14. to Auburn uh, closed the gap to seven points uh, midway through the fourth quarter, I guess it was, Travis. It looked like they might have some, some late life. But I felt for a seven-point game, it was a game that the Bulldogs had pretty good control over. Yeah, I give Auburn credit. I mean, that's a 21 nothing game, and uh, you're thinking it's pretty well put to bed. But you also figured Auburn wasn't just going to roll over at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, Bo Nix got it going a little bit. I think you saw Auburn, uh, Georgia kind of get out of some zone looks, uh, go to more man-to-man coverage, uh, and was able to get home defensively in the end. Bo Nix still showing signs of a – of a first-year starter, of a true freshman at quarterback, even this late in the 2019 season. Sort of his default on third down, and especially late in games. In the fourth quarter, when the game's on the line, he still seems more comfortable with his legs being his check down. And look, that's not a complex passing system that Gus employs to begin with. So maybe that's the check down regardless in that system. But, uh, you know, another one of those sort of learning 
experiences for Bo Nix and the Auburn offense. Um, you know, Georgia's that good on defense too, man. I mean, they, they don't impress you. They don't blow you away. You don't see a Roquan Smith uh, or a guy like that on that defense in terms of star power, but collectively, uh, they're, they're really good. You know, that's a sort of a throwback team, but they got it done. And you know, it's interesting to me because I look at LSU, and LSU to me kind of looks like Alabama last year in that that offense for LSU is so dynamic and so capable of scoring points in bunches that you kind of forget about the defense and that there might be some some issues when you're talking about down the road and a potential you know, appearance in the college football playoff, even against Georgia uh, in the Southeastern Conference Championship game. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you're kind of blinded by that LSU offense. And, uh, but I think for LSU to sort of fulfill its potential, there's still some improvement needed on the defensive side. And, you know, that John, John Rice Plumley for Ole Miss, I mean, he's perfect for that Rich Rodriguez offense at the quarterback position. Yeah, speaking of quarterback runs, John Rice Plumley, uh, the stat line on him rushing-wise, 21 for 212, averaged 10.1 a carry, four rushing touchdowns, uh, threw for 123 yards, and so total yards he was – uh, in the neighborhood, in the neighborhood of 3:30, but yeah, uh, Alabama fans are well aware of what that guy can do on the ground because yeah. he ran on Alabama pretty good as well. He did, and it looks like Ole Miss has given Matt Luke the uh, green light for another year. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, I, I don't think you really have a problem with that. But it's sort of contingent upon: Can you guarantee me that Rich Rodriguez is going to be back as my offensive coordinator? Is Mike McIntyre going to be back as my defensive coordinator? Because as I've said before, by by Ole Miss standards, that's as good a one-two punch at the coordinator spots as, as you're probably ever going to see over in Oxford. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Uh, join us on Wednesday, and we will preview Alabama's upcoming home game, final home game of the, uh, Alabama's regular season uh, against Western Carolina. For Travis Ryer, AlabamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time on Talking Tide.